You're listening to episode 54 of the Room to Grow podcast. I'm Emily Goff, a holistic nutritionist and women's lifestyle coach living in Hamilton, Ontario in Canada. And here on the Room to Grow podcast, I bring you thoughts or guests in areas of nutrition, mindset, lifestyle, and entrepreneurship that will help you gain confidence so you can stress less and elevate yourself to create the life you love. We are not here to do things perfectly, but we are here to learn from each other and to grow with lots of self-love and compassion along the way. Let's get started. Hey there, welcome back to the Room to Grow podcast. Emily here, and we are going to be talking about my personal story with alcohol today, Um, why I rarely drink anymore. And I'm also going to be sharing some things that I've never actually shared publicly about alcohol. So we'll see how this goes. I've gotten a lot of requests for this one. And and it's odd because I've been thinking about doing it for a long time. But I kind of thought no one would be interested, to be perfectly honest. And then I I threw it up um, on my Instagram stories as one of the options for a potential episode. And I've had so many people reach out to me since saying that they wanted to hear this episode. So going to go through with it and uh, I hope you guys get get lots out of it and yeah I'm, I'm actually I'm interested to see how this one goes I, I'm I'm um, looking forward to sharing because I do think that it's something that can at least make you think about alcohol in maybe a little bit different way so let's see how this goes first of all I just want to let you know about the whole health summit if you have no idea what I'm talking about, make sure to check the show notes over at roomtogrowpodcast.com or whatever device you're listening to this on. If you're listening on Stitcher, um, Google Play, Spotify, iTunes, whichever it is, make sure to go check the show notes that are actually on the device. And I've hyperlinked the whole health summit in the show notes directly. So you can just click right there and it'll take you straight to them. So the whole health summit is only running until December 21st. Um, and I'm, I'm hosting it and I'm hosting a bunch of ladies, uh, there's about 12 of us that are, have all come together in the realm of, uh, health and fitness. And I'm talking whole health. That's why we called it whole health. Like we're going full body experience here. Each one of us is offering you a paid program for free until the 21st of December. And you can get all of the programs, you can get uh, just one or two of the programs, whatever is going to fit best into your lifestyle. This is an incredible deal. And after December 21st, they will still be available, but you'll have to pay for every single program. So these are programs that we typically charge people for and we have made them free as our gift to you only until December 21st. So you've a total selection of things to choose from here. You've got like TRX workouts and videos. You've got holiday recipes made healthy with whole foods, um, home workouts kit, a fat loss blueprint. I have a five-day course about dealing with anxiety. Guys, this is incredible, incredible value. So make sure to go check it out. Uh, All you have to do is jump over to uh, the show notes or just, like I said, hit the hyperlinked link. It will take you straight to the page where you can sign up and you can just start checking things off. This is really, this is your gift to yourself essentially as well. And it's really going to set you up in the best possible way for going into the new year. Like this is why most resolutions fail is that people try and do a 180, but you can get as many of these as you want and then go through each course um, or program as you choose 
and just do one at a time. You, you can combine them if you want, uh, whatever's gonna work best for you, but there is so much incredible value here. So make sure to go check out the whole health summit. Okay, so let's get into my story with alcohol. So just as a bit of background, um, the legal drinking age here in Ontario, Canada is 19. And when I was a kid, uh, I was I was always a really good kid. Like I I just I never got in trouble. I always got good grades. I was mostly interested in reading books. Um, <laughs> yeah, they, it, that was just kind of who I was. And frankly, that still kind of sounds like me in terms of the reading books. Um, when it came to alcohol, I didn't really go to many parties and stuff at all until I started um, hanging out with some older kids. And these were all like again like like really good kids. They were only a couple of years older than me. Um, and they were just really, even now, like they're, they're awesome people. So it wasn't like, you know, falling into the wrong crowd or anything like that. It was just that then I started to go to some parties and stuff. And I started, I guess I first had alcohol around 15. Um, I don't know if that's like the norm or not. I, I mean, I think I've heard people that have started younger, obviously, uh, some didn't start until they were older, but that was where I started. And I could tell you all kinds of embarrassing stories. Like once I started to get into it a little bit more, you know, I would end up like funneling beers at friends' houses. Um, just like stupid things that we do when we're teenagers. And the thing is we all kind of write it off to, oh, you know, like that's just what teenagers do. But there, I mean, we all know of stories where that has caused a lot of damage to people as well. So we can't necessarily just like laugh it off because there can be some really serious things that come as a result of these situations, like either kids getting behind the wheel, anyone getting behind the wheel uh, after they've been drinking, um, you know, like being left alone and they ended up getting sick. Anything can happen. Like this is the problem, right? But there was, I think by university, um, I was, so I actually started university at 17 uh, because I have a late birthday. So I started it pretty young. And by then, you know, the party culture was fully, fully there. Like I, I was fully immersed in the party culture. And there were multiple nights in university at the beginning of university where I would be downing a full 26 ounces of, um, of hard liquor in a single night. Like that is an obscene amount of alcohol. And I would often end up getting to the point of blackout. Like I could still function barely. Um, but then once it would fully kick in and the worst part is, is that I prided myself on that. I prided myself on my alcohol tolerance. I prided myself on the fact that it was like a badge of honor that I could out drink other people, especially some males. And I don't know, that's a really weird way to pull a feminist card, but I seem to be really proud of that. And it's, I mean, I'm laughing because it just looking back, it's just so shocking to me that, that it's, it's almost comical, but it's not funny. It, it's really not funny. Like that is a total obscene amount of alcohol. And I would, you know, stay up all hours. Um, it, it was, it, I was a wreck. I was a total wreck. And I know that my grades in university suffered in high school. It was totally fine, but the party culture really started hard in university and being 17 and away from home for the first time there's almost so much freedom you don't know what to do with it. So then sometimes you will end up getting into things that you otherwise wouldn't have. And I, I moved away from home um, for school as well. So it's not like I was living at home while I was going to school. I was I was about an hour or so away from away from home. Um, 
honestly, it would, I would become or do or say things that I didn't always like when I drank. And sometimes I felt like it made me more fun and more extroverted and hilarious because a lot of times I felt super awkward. Um, I mean, we all go through that, that stage, but I just felt awkward a lot of times, like socially. And I was always kind of like the tall geeky kid. And I just felt as though alcohol made me fit in better and people would laugh at my jokes and think that I was more extroverted and, and it would make me think that I was more extroverted. I didn't figure out that I was an introvert until like my mid twenties. I just always thought that I just liked reading books and that I was a little shy and I'm not actually shy at all. Um, it just turned out that I was, I was actually an introvert. So I feel like if I had figured certain things like that out earlier on, that actually would have probably made a difference into me accepting myself a little bit more for who I was without alcohol. Um, and I don't know for sure, but I, I feel like that would have made a little bit of a difference. So it was a turning point for me. The one single time, this only happened once, that I got drunk alone after a bad breakup. My roommates at the time were going out for brunch. Um, I had just gotten back from being at home. It was in the morning and I had just come back from like being broken up with and I was devastated, totally, totally devastated. And my roommates wanted me to go to brunch. I was like, no, you know what? I don't really want to be with anyone right now. I just want to be alone. And I was already thinking about, as they were leaving, I was already thinking about, you know, when they leave, I'm going to start drinking. So they came back just a couple hours later. I don't remember them coming back because I had already drank almost an entire bottle of Jack Daniels. And they put me to bed for like eight hours. I didn't wake up. Basically, I was like talking to them sometimes apparently, but I didn't, I didn't actually wake up and remember what was going on until like eight hours later. So they put me to bed at like 10 a.m. and I woke up, it was dark outside. I'm like, what happened? <laughs> and that was very eye-opening for me. Like I kind of, as soon as I woke up, I thought, okay, what did I do? And, and that's a really terrible feeling when you wake up to, especially if for anyone who's ever experienced a blackout from drinking, it is, it, it's a terrible, terrible feeling. It's like a pit in the bottom of your stomach because you're like, oh my God, what happened last night? What did, what did I do? What did I say? How did I end up here? Um, you know, it, it is really scary to have blackout memory. It, it's very, very unsettling, very unsettling. And to be honest, at that point, um, I had, I'd kind of already started losing interest in alcohol a little bit and recognizing that I didn't like the effects. I'd known for several years that I didn't always like the effects, but it was around that time I was like, wow, I never thought I would be the person that gets drunk alone, especially after a bad breakup. Like drinking alone because you're sad, that is going down a road that I don't want to approach. That is not who I am and that's not who I want to be. So university continued um, probably for another two, two years or so after that. I was in university for five years uh, because I chose to do a double major. So I stayed on um, an extra year to get some extra credits and stuff. So I think it was about two, two years after that, that I finished. And my last couple years of, of university, I'd already drastically cut back on the drinking. Um, I just, I really had started to hate who I became when I drank. 
Like one or two drinks would be okay. But if I actually got drunk, I didn't like who I was. And I was really starting to recognize that. And, and that time that I got so obliterated by myself on purpose, that scared me. That really, really scared me. So when my current boyfriend and I started dating, um, I was probably, I can't remember exactly how old I was, 20, 23, I think. And something switched and I, I didn't want to get drunk anymore. And I, so I, again, I, this wasn't a total switch. Like I had also been bartending throughout university as well. Um, so that would just kind of add fuel to the fire because I would serve people alcohol all night, which was totally fine. But then the culture of bartending typically dictates that, you know, you, you hang out with your fellow comrades, like your fellow bartenders and servers and stuff afterwards until all hours, because you don't finish work until like the bar doesn't close here until 2 a.m. So by the time you clean up, count everything, get, get everything all together, do inventory, whatever needs to be done, sometimes it's like 4, 4.30 in the morning. So I, I bartended both at uh, university and um, here in my hometown as well. And we would just be out partying until all hours. Like we would, we would get off work at 4, 4.30, we would go back to somebody's house, we would just start drinking and partying. We would be drinking sometimes till 9 in the morning. Then there were times where then if it was summertime, then we would just keep drinking. Like we would all find a way, like, you know, find a way to get to the beach or something like that. Find a DD, get to the beach and then just keep drinking for the day. Like it was, it was crazy. It was crazy. When I look back on that, I don't understand how I didn't do more damage to myself. I really don't. It's, it's really still shocking to me, but at at the same time, I was starting to lose interest. So in the last couple of years of university, I wasn't drinking nearly as often. Um, other than the occasional time, I would usually, it was usually only with my bartender friends. Um, and that was still, I was cutting way back on that. It would be maybe once a month, once every couple of months, something like that, that I would actually go and do that. And before it had been multiple times a week. And then things just started slowing down more and more in terms of the drinking. I just didn't like how it was making me feel the next day. I was starting to notice more of a hangover effect. Um, you know, when you're young and, and you can get away with, with no hangover and then as you age, the hangovers get worse and worse. That's, that's a real, real thing. And I just started to hate it. I'm like, you know, I just, it can be fun to be drunk, but I don't really enjoy this feeling afterwards. It's, or, or looking back on the night before and going like, why did I say that to somebody? Or why did I do that? It just, it didn't make sense to me at that point. So when my current boyfriend and I started dating, um, university was, was over by that point. And something switched and I didn't really want to get drunk anymore at all. And that was, that's, it's been more than eight years since we started dating. And I've only admitted this to a couple people before, including my boyfriend. Um, <laughs> but I was actually terrified when we started dating that I would do something when I was drunk to screw up our relationship. And I, I don't, I was, I don't know if I was like worried that I would cheat on him or just do something that I couldn't take back. And I then had no interest in getting drunk because of that. And some people might think that's total overkill. And, and the thing is I've never cheated on a partner before. So it wasn't like I was basing this off of past history. Um, but he was different and we'd been friends for years before dating. And I knew this was a really special relationship and that I was in it for the long haul from the very beginning. And 
I just didn't want to put that at risk for any reason. And I think there's honestly only been a couple times since then that I've been drunk and both times and, and even then it was still like years ago and both times we were like in a really safe space with friends that we adored and, and with each other and and it was just like a really fun environment that you know I, I think I knew that I was very protected and that I wasn't going to react poorly to the alcohol. So I have some rules around alcohol and, and I'll kind of like sprinkle these in but one of them is that I only drink if I'm in a good place. And I mean drink at all because I never get drunk anymore ever. But if I'm going to drink at all, even like a glass of champagne or something like that, I will only drink if I'm in a good place. If I'm happy, if I'm feeling great, I will never drink if my mood has taken a downturn or if I'm upset or sad or angry or anything like that. Any more negative emotion, I won't even touch alcohol. I will only have even like a single glass of anything if I'm feeling really great. And I want you to notice how alcohol makes you feel. Because it's not just the hangover after you've overindulged either. Like every single drink negatively affects my performance at the gym the next day. Like even one drink the night before, I feel it and I notice it in the gym the next day. It's, it's crazy how much alcohol can negatively impact us. Like ask yourself why you're drinking too, because I have to tell you, <laughs> beer pressure does not go away with age. <laughs> like I feel like that was some myth that I don't think that my mom ever told me that peer pressure was going to go away with age. I think that I just always assumed that it was like a high school thing. Peer pressure does not go away with age. People still pressure me to drink regularly. Not, not people close to me so much because they just know that I'm not interested in alcohol and they know the reasons why. But I am constantly pressured to drink alcohol in most social settings. And it is crazy to me. Like there are people like in their in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s that are like, here, have a drink. Like, why aren't you drinking? You know, you can stay over, have some drinks. It's crazy to me. It just, <laughs> the, the pressure from others doesn't bother me at all. But I know that it can have a more serious effect on some people. Some people take that much more to heart and have a harder time saying no. Whereas I'm, I'm very staunch in my, in my stance on this. So it doesn't really affect me that much. But sometimes it can get a little irritating after a while, but it doesn't, it doesn't bother me. But another question to ask too is, are you drinking to achieve a particular feeling? And why? Are you drinking to achieve a particular feeling? And why is that? Like, what is it that you are searching for? Why can't you achieve that sober? What's missing? What do you need to add into your life to feel that way without the alcohol? And, and none of this is to say, don't ever drink again. This is not what I'm saying. I just want you to start being more observant to your own personal experience with alcohol and figuring out what it is that's working for you and what isn't. How do certain kinds of alcohol make you feel or behave? I went through these phases when I was drinking. So I would, I would tend to get fixated on like one particular type of drink and then I would stick with that for a few months until I was sick of it and then I would like switch to something else. So I went through a whiskey phase and that was by far my longest phase because I just loved it. I totally loved it. And it was my drink of choice for quite a while. Um, and even though I, I still enjoyed it, I finally had to stop and cut myself off from whiskey completely because it made me super angry, super angry to the point that where the next day 
I couldn't figure out what I was so upset over the night before. I would be pissed. Like absolutely. And I'm not, I'm not talking pissed, like as in drunk that too, but pissed as in like, I was angry when I would drink whiskey, like the littlest, the, the smallest thing would set me off. And I finally had to get really honest with myself. And even though I was still drinking to get drunk at that point, um, by choice, I, I had to change drinks because I was starting to notice a really kind of frightened me pattern of just becoming this really angry person when I would drink whiskey. And the next morning I'd be like, who is that? Like, that's not me. I'm not angry. What, what the hell was I so pissed off about? I don't understand. Honestly, it, it actually drove friendships apart on occasion. Like there were, the other thing was, is that I, I didn't realize this until it had already kind of happened that there were also friendships and relationships that I didn't actually realize at the time were based entirely on a shared love of alcohol, partying and late nights. And it, it just kind of happened slowly. Like as I started to extricate myself from that entire sort of like drinking type culture, I didn't do it overnight. It was, it was over a few years. And then at one point I just decided like, I'm just done with this. And it was something that it kind of hurt, um, at first because there were a lot of people that I think I thought were like lifelong friends. And the thing is they might feel the same way about me is that, you know, things just kind of drifted apart. There were never really any negative feelings in those, in those particular situations. It was just, you know, you're going partying tonight. I don't feel like partying. So have a good time. And then I started to realize that that was the only times I ever saw those people was when I was partying and they never wanted to hang out sober, like in their, in their real life. You know what I mean? And sometimes, I mean, you might've had this experience as well. You might really like someone. And, and this is part of the fear. I think that this is part of the fear that I had about what people would think of me years ago was there were some people that I liked better drunk than sober. And that sounds really terrible to say, but I'm sure that people thought that about me too. It was, it was that drinking would change them in a way that would make me think that their values maybe aligned more with me or that they were more fun or something like that. And then when I got to know them on a different level, I would realize that we just didn't have anything in common. We it, like, it wasn't, it wasn't an, a, a, an attack on them. We just weren't really aligned to be friends. So that's something to think about as well. Like you can find that, that you see people in a totally different light when they haven't had alcohol compared to when they have. Like there are all kinds of effects that alcohol has on us. Like we're talking poor quality sleep. Yes, it puts you to sleep faster, which can also be dangerous sometimes depending on how, you, how much you've had to drink. Um, but it, it's not good quality sleep. You typically will wake up. Uh, you don't really ever hit like a deep level of sleep. So that's why you're usually exhausted the next day. Even if you slept for eight or 10 hours, you're probably going to be really tired. It has a huge effect on, on athletic performance. I'm telling you, every time I have even a single drink, I notice it the next day at the gym. Every single time. I can feel the difference. It can interfere with the digestion of food. What do we often do when we're drunk? We start eating, right? And it, it doesn't, it interferes with how we digest our food. 
It has a really negative effect on our hormone health as well. If you're trying to lose weight, the body prioritizes metabolizing alcohol over everything else because the body basically recognizes it as a toxin. It's like, holy shit, what is this? We have to get rid of it. Get it out. We drop everything, stop doing everything else. We have to get this out of, out of us. So it will prioritize the alcohol over everything else. So things like fat and sugar burning basically grind to a complete halt. And it also really messes with our blood sugar levels too. This is why for anyone who is, who is diabetic or anything like that, that's why they usually have a tough time drinking alcohol and have to allow for it in other ways if they're ever going to have any drinks at all because it really messes with our blood sugar. Because alcohol is essentially sugar. And I'm not just talking about drinking margaritas. Like alcohol in general, even just a, like a straight shot of something, um, like a hard liquor, that is the body treats it as, as a sugar. And even if you aren't trying to lose weight, but you're trying to maintain muscle mass or even build muscle, alcohol can make that harder to do, especially if you're drinking regularly. Women are drinking more than they ever have before. Women are drinking more than they ever have before and, and at times binge drinking more than they ever have before as well. And listen, all of this is affected by your own personal body chemistry, your own preferences, your own lifestyle and, and choices and all of those things. It's going to look different for everyone. I'm not standing on a soapbox telling you to stop drinking. That's, that's not what I'm telling you at all. This is just my personal experience and you have to make the right choices for you. I just want you to start paying closer attention to how alcohol makes you feel, how alcohol makes you behave, how, um, it, why you're drinking alcohol, like what is it that is fueling that drive to drink it? And if you have reasons that, that you're okay with, that's cool. Drink like it, do, do what you want to do. It's entirely your choice. Just make sure that you're being super aware of it. So what my drinking looks like now, I will indulge in the occasional glass of bubbles. I call them bubbles, like champagne, you know, something that is a sparkling wine, <laughs> uh, maybe a glass of wine. And actually my cousin has a vineyard. Uh, this is a shameless plug to the award-winning Ravine Vineyard in Niagara-on-the-Lake, Ontario. And every once in a while, wine tasting is fun, especially if it's there. Um, you know, we always have a, a great time there, but I still, I never usually drink more than the equivalent of a single glass of wine. And even then, I can't tell you how many times we'll be at a wedding or something and they'll, um, the, the wait staff will keep coming around and keep refilling my wine glass, even if I tell them not to. And it just stays there empty uh, or sorry, it stays there full because I'm not drinking it. I'm just not usually interested. I went to a wedding a few weeks ago and, and I had a, a little like a champagne flute of bubbles. And then I got a glass of wine because I thought that I might drink it with dinner. I never even touched it. It stayed full on the table and I ate my food and I was fine with just that tiny little taste from the, the little champagne flute and that was it. So it's, it's just, it's a personal choice. And if you are going to drink, hydrate with water, please hydrate with water. Also, always, obviously, have a DD or make, stay, make plans to stay over. That is imperative. Do not get behind the wheel of a car if you've been drinking. Um, but yeah, alternate with, with water as you're drinking. That's, that's so important. I know it might seem like a downer, but I'm telling you, you will thank me tomorrow morning because you will feel so much better. Like alcohol dehydrates us. Our body needs that water. Our body needs it. And I also want to point this out. Beware of taking medications. 
any medications with alcohol. You need to check with your doctor, you need to check with your pharmacist, and I don't care if it is just over-the-counter basic pain meds like ibuprofen or something. I see people popping those things with alcohol all the time. And guys, do your research. It is not good. There can be all kinds of negative effects. And I know what you're thinking, like, I've done it a thousand times and nothing's ever happened to me. That's fine, but it still should not be taken with alcohol. Be very careful about that. It only takes one time for things to go wrong. Basically, it's always a wise choice to separate any type of drug from alcohol and you are not doing yourself any favors by mixing them. So be really careful about that. Please, please be really careful about mixing any type of, of meds at all. I have to tell you, it can, it can be uncomfortable. Like I, I want to circle back to the peer pressure thing because I feel like this is something that doesn't get addressed enough is like adult peer pressure. <laughs> and we talk about it sometimes with food. Like, you know, I've talked about this before. Grandma pushing like her, her pie, her third serving of pie on you or something like that. Like, yeah, we get like the food pressure, but ask yourself if you are pressuring other people to drink too. Are you? Like look in the mirror, like take, take a look at that. Or are you pressuring people to drink? And if you are, why? Why does it make you uncomfortable that somebody else isn't drinking? Does it make you uncomfortable? I don't know. You have to ask yourself that. There have been, there have been times where even though I'm, I'm very comfortable um, telling people to back off if they give me a hard time about not drinking, I'm very comfortable. Like I've, I've done it before. <laughs> but there have been times where people would just not stop harassing me to drink where I would fake taking a shot with them under severe peer pressure because it was just easier. The other thing is too, I have to tell you as, as somebody who bartended for years in pubs and nightclubs, bartenders are very used to people quietly asking for soda water or something similar that looks like it contains alcohol and making sure that it gets delivered to you. If they come over with like a tray of drinks or something like that, they will make sure that you get the, the virgin version of virgin version, <laughs> the, the non-alcoholic version, let's put it that way, the non-alcoholic version of the drink, they will make sure that it gets del delivered to you. Any decent bartender is, is very used to that request because I have to tell you a lot of people ask for non-alcoholic versions while all their friends are getting drunk. So if you are asking for a non-alcoholic version and you feel uncomfortable about it, don't. They are so used to having that request. So used to, I cannot tell you how many times People ask me very quietly, like off to the side for a non-alcoholic version of a drink. And the other reason is none of their friends are ever going to notice because their friends are usually so busy getting inebriated that they don't notice that their friend is just really quietly asking for a non-alcoholic version. So if it's making you uncomfortable, don't let that be a barrier because it's it, bartenders are so used to that. Nobody is going to judge you for that. Something else I actually like to do <laughs> and not because... <clears throat> not because I feel like I should be drinking alcohol, but I just sometimes just to feel fancy, I'll drink kombucha from a wine glass. <laughs> like sometimes I'm just home alone and I'll like have kombucha or something like that. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to be fancy tonight. I'm going to drink it out of a wine glass. You know, there's ways to, to make that just feel kind of a little extra, right? And, and that doesn't have anything to do with you feeling like you need to look like you're drinking. That can just be you mixing it up and that can be like a form of self-care. Like, hey, I'm going to feel fancy tonight. I'm going to drink my kombucha out of a wine glass. <laughs> so you can always do that, right? I just, I really want you to notice how alcohol is making you feel. 
like physically, emotionally, and, and otherwise, honestly. Like, do you like yourself when you drink? And if you feel as though you like yourself more when you drink, as opposed to when you're sober, why is that? Like, who do you need to become to embody who you want to be in your everyday life without alcohol? Who do you need to become? Right? And then start behaving like that person. What, do, what are those person's habits? Start embodying those habits. I just really wanted this to be a, a super honest conversation. And, and honestly, I mean, I could, I could go on all day about all kinds of uh, sticky situations that I got myself into because I was drunk. Um, a lot of embarrassing stories, the things that absolutely, you know, those, those things that just make you cringe when you think about them. I have so many of those stories from when I was drunk regularly. <clears throat> Pardon me. So many. It, it's actually a kind of appalling when I look back on it, but it was all part of the learning experience. And I was fortunate enough to come out of it on the other side. But alcohol is essentially still a, a drug. Like we need to be aware of that. And I have to tell you, when I'm doing things like um, booking, booking in-person events or anything like that that I'm attending, if I am staying with people who I know are drinkers, I will probably book my own room. So there's, there's a handful of, of people in my circle that don't really drink much at all. And, and it's actually kind of more fun when I get to go to events sometimes with them, just because I know that we're just kind of a similar mind and I won't have to stress about going out and then needing to come back by myself by a certain time and, and having to, you know, stress over that. And not that I mind at all, it, it's never a big deal, but it is a consideration for me. And it's, it, sometimes it is about who you surround yourself with. And that can be a really scary concept because I have to tell you again, like there were a lot of years where every single person that I was surrounded by that I had chosen to surround myself with were basically heavy drinkers and had the same types of habits as I did. So it was almost a little weird to see a different side of it. And I, I was actually one of the first ones to start extricating myself from those particular groups of people. And a lot of them now I think are in the same boat as me that they don't drink very often. And it, it was just kind of a, a gradual process, but I, I just started to really recognize that I didn't like who I was with alcohol and that that wasn't, that wasn't who, who I wanted to be. It wasn't who I wanted to become. So just ask yourself closely. I want you to, to really think about some of the questions that I've posed to you here and just think about how alcohol affects you too. There can be really small effects that you just aren't noticing until you start to pay attention and become more observant as well. So I hope that this has helped um, and just giving you some, some insight into why I don't drink because I do get that question sometimes. Like when I'm actually out with people and I'm not drinking, I, you know, I can usually just hide behind the fact that typically I'm normally driving anyway. Uh, so I'm, I'm not drinking obviously then if, if I'm going to be driving, but if I'm not driving, people do still sometimes question me. They're like, well, why are you not drinking? Like, you know, you don't have to work early tomorrow, right? Like what's, what's the deal? I'm like, no, I'm just not interested. I'm just not interested. So get used to, to standing up for yourself too, no matter what that looks like. And I mean, that can apply across the board. That's not just about alcohol, but for some reason, our culture does seem to be more likely to pressure people about alcohol. It's, it's still, it's still a weird, very odd concept to me that even as grown ass adults, we still seem to 
pressure people, like let people make their own decisions, you know? And if somebody says no, I mean, that can apply across the board for all kinds of consent issues. But if somebody says no, they mean no and leave it alone. Like you don't get to make that decision for them. If they say no, the answer is no. So think about this. I would love, love to get your feedback on this. Truly, I, I mean, if you want to share your stories with me, some of your experiences with alcohol, I would truly be honored if you would want to share that with me. Um, you can obviously always message, message me privately. Um, on Instagram, you can DM me over at Emily Goff Coach. Uh, you can also email me info at emilygoffcoaching.com. And you can pop over to the Room to Grow podcast uh, Facebook group as well. That's a, a totally like judgment-free space. And it's much more private than say like posting a comment on Instagram or something like that um, publicly. So if you want to pop over there and I would love to get your feedback on this. It would honestly mean so much to me. I'm, I'm really fascinated about other people's experiences with alcohol uh, as well. And I would love to hear more from you about this. And just, just be careful as well. Like anytime you are going to drink, just remember that it is um, going to change you in some way and to just be really careful about it and be very respectful of it as well. So one more reminder, I just want to make sure that you know again about the Whole Health Summit. This is only happening until Friday, December 21st. That is coming up fast. So every, all of these programs are being offered to you, like over a dozen programs, they are being offered to you totally free and typically they're all paid for. Typically you have to pay money to access these. And after the 21st, there's going to be a price tag on every single one of them. But right now you can access all of them for free. This is such a huge deal. And these women are incredible. I've really teamed up with just the absolute best in the business. Um, I, I can't even tell you how amazing, amazing these women are. Um, they're, they're just, they're incredible human beings. They're offering so much value and their clients absolutely adore them and shout their names from the rooftop, from the rooftops for excellent reason, because they are just fantastic. And I do not want you to miss out on this. So like I said, there's all kinds of different things to choose from here, like different kinds of workouts, uh, different kinds of nutrition things. There's like a 20 day nutrition revival that you can do as well. Um, I'm offering a program all about anxiety that I've gotten a lot of requests for. So make sure to jump over there and grab that. Everything is in the show notes at roomtogrowpodcast.com. Or again, like I said before, if you're on your device, I have hyperlinked it right in the show notes directly. So if you're on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Spotify, wherever you're listening, go to your show notes in, in your app and it's hyperlinked. You can do one click and you'll be taken right there. Okay. So have a great day today and we'll be back on Thursday with a very special guest. Thanks so much for listening to the room to grow podcast today. All show notes and references can be found over at roomtogrowpodcast.com. And can you do me one huge favor before you go though? If you can take a, take a screenshot of this episode and tag me on social media, I would absolutely love to see who's listening and get to connect with you and thank you. And if you could leave a review on iTunes, that would go a long way and make such a huge difference. It really helps to get the word out there, get more amazing guests on the show and helps to get all of this information out to the world. Looking forward to growing with you.